Amen. Thank you very much. That was excellent. It even fits right in with the message. Joshua chapter 1. Be praying for those. We do have several still out sick. Uh, Brother Moffat, of course, is still sick. Be praying for him. And the Olers have sickness running through their house. But it's good. it's good to have summer people coming back. Again, good to have all of Paul Lowe and his family are here again, so that is good. I think that's the third time in the last year. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Joshua chapter 1 this morning. Get a few verses here, starting from verse number one, as we begin the new year. <clears throat> we'll probably be back in the book of Acts, uh, possibly this next Sunday, and more than likely this Sunday after that. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But Joshua chapter one, verse number one. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it uh, to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly do love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for a new year. Lord, I pray for your protection and your blessing upon our church and upon our families. Lord, help us to start this year off right, to seek and to glorify you. And Lord, I pray that even now as we begin that you would even use this time to work on our hearts, show us what needs to be done in our life. And Lord, give us the, even control our desires to that end, that that's what we would desire to serve you, to see it. Lord, those different deceptions and things that we're believing that aren't even true, Lord, please begin to reveal them to us that we can respond in something that's right and true in life. Lord, I pray that you'd work. I pray that you'd use this to be an encouragement and draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray for that conviction and that drawing that perhaps even this morning they repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. So, we come to a brand new year, 2023. It's just amazing how, how fast time goes. I remember back when no one thought we'd make it through Y2K. Remember that? 
The world was going to shut down, we were convinced. Computers would cease working. It was like they even had like scientists working on this. Everything was going to cease. Alarm clocks were going to stop. Computers were going to stop. Electricity was going to go out. The Lord was going to return. Y2K. And it hit. And nothing. 23 years since then. It seems really, though, and when we look back since 2020, that we've certainly had some challenging times. And very much a changing world. It has been easy for discouragement to set in. Uh, Many, aside from what we see going on politically, economically, culturally, many have faced great challenges in their personal lives as well. And we go through those seasons. They happen. Um, I mean, the greatest men even and, and women of the Word of God have been like the Apostle Paul. Uh, men through the, the Apostle Paul in his writings, we can, we can see times of great discouragement and great despair in his life. We can see it true in the life of David. We went through the life of David. We can see the battles he faced over and over. Even at times he thought David would be at, at a high point of his life. It's amazing how his thought life changed and he went through actually one of the lowest points that he ever had. True of Moses, Abraham, Peter, Today, though, I want us to look at a man who was also facing a very challenging year and a discouraging time. And I think through it, through what the Lord does here, we can see how even with all that we have faced, all of it, not discounting any of it, how we can still stand greatly encouraged simply because of the God we serve. You know, the truth is, if God would cease to be in control, that would cause a necessity of great discouragement and despair. But you understand, that can never, ever happen. Ever. We're going to get to that. As he told Joshua, I will not fail thee. That's true. <clears throat> so the fact that our God is the true God, this is why we can be encouraged as we start 2023. And not even to forget all of his benefits, as Psalm 103 tells us. Who forgiveth, forgiveth, I can't even talk this morning, forgiveth all thine iniquity, healeth all thine diseases, crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. This morning, though, I want to look at again one of these men who was in a discouraging time in his life, facing a a challenging year, or really years ahead of him, and that is Joshua. I believe at this point we're reading in Joshua chapter 1 would be the most discouraging time in his life, or at least equal to it. I think in Egypt we don't don't know anything about him. We're not introduced to him until after after the crossing of the Red Sea, the first time we come across him in Exodus 17, the first time we see Joshua in Scripture. But I believe this time would be at least, at, at the very least, equal to the most discouraged, discouraging time in his life. The man that really has given his life to follow, he has been his servant, has been one of his closest friends, a father figure in his life, a man he admired, the spiritual leader of the nation that he was personally close to, has died. Joshua thought for certain, this is the man to lead us into the promised land. And now he's dead. He's gone. Again, discouragement which said, and we see it has in our text. But we also see from this text how the Lord helps him. 
We see Joshua in the book of Exodus. He certainly was a man of war. First time we are introduced to him, it's about fighting a battle. Matter of fact, first time we see him, he's basically a general. He's in charge of the battle. He is the one Moses, uh, my goodness, Moses marched to orchestrate the battle. This was the man that Moses himself had great confidence in. And if you're, as you remember, he was an orphan. That was tough. He was the son of none. Some got that. It was a family name, okay? None. Personality-wise with Joshua, he's interesting. He is. He, actually, my first college paper in Bible college was on Joshua and his life. I think he was a serious man. I do. I think at times maybe even too serious. I think he was quiet. I don't think he was the type A. I think this was, I have no doubt, there's no question about this. This was a man who saw quite a lot. Think of the battles that he was involved in personally in the confrontations that he faced. The things that he witnessed with his own eyes in battle. He just wasn't shooting somebody from 30 yards with an AR-15. Think of what he witnessed when he was in battle. Think of what he saw. Of what took place. Don't think they weren't any less human than you are right now. Don't think that that what he witnessed would not have an effect on his life. Because it would. And really, I like how the battle, I like, excuse me, I like how the Bible handles those situations. Much different than what we see in the world today. It seems today in the world, we like to keep victims down as victims. As a, almost if to celebrate that, instead of bringing them out of that. <clears throat> he saw many battles, many confrontations. He was a man of blood and glory. He was the one sought out when someone has needed to throw himself into the fray. He was the one sought out when the enemy needed to be pushed back. It was Joshua. He is also referred to in the Bible as Moses' minister. He was Moses' servant before he was ever his successor. He traveled with Moses. We see that as you, as you go through the life of Moses. The man who's always there with him is going to be Joshua. <clears throat> He's with him outside the camp in his tent, down, staying down below the mountain when he went on top. Uh, basically, when you see Moses, you're going to find Joshua. He's going to be present. In Joshua, he also learned that the Lord always, always chooses the humble. Those who truly desire to serve, not those looking for a title. He is the guy always by Moses' tent, but never disturbing him unless asked. Always ready for Moses to call upon him. His devotion was incredible. He's one of the men in Scripture that you have trouble finding fault in. Probably after men like Joseph and Daniel, you probably have Joshua about right there in that category. He was a man who certainly took his walk with God very serious. You can just imagine the times he had a converse, that those conversations would take place between him and Moses, what they would have been like. And I'm sure there was also very human-like conversations. Like, you would not believe what my wife is putting me through, Joshua. 
see, this would also be the man that would see, be there when Moses was struggling. He'd be the one that was there. He would see it. He would see parts of it that nobody else in the nation would. They spent quite a lot of time together. One of the highlights of Joshua is he is one of the 12 spies that is sent out to go into the promised land and spy it out. We all know the story there. I'm not going to go over it for time's sake there. There's a lot that I want to cover today to try and be a help. But we know the story. They went in there, they saw the giants, and all of a sudden, ten of them start pouting. Oh, we can't go in here. There's walled cities. There's giants. It's amazing sometimes how we view the will of God. It really is. How, how when, when, we're, when, when we're following the Lord's direction, we know what's right. This is the leading. I mean, they're led by the pillar of cloud by day, by fire, by night. This is it. They're heading in. And all of a sudden, because there's going to be some battles to face, we can't do it. As if God ceased. Caleb and Joshua, of course, were the ones who stayed faithful. And said, what are you talking about? I mean, this is even more exciting. What God's getting ready to do, we're going to take down walled cities, we're going to defeat giants. According to to tradition, Jewish tradition, Joshua did marry that all of his children were girls. That was his most challenging part of life, there's no doubt about it. He fulfilled the mission that God gave him for the most part. And Joshua, of course, basically we see him retired in Scripture, living, in, living his last days out. He lived a full life. And it basically finishes with seeing the country resting from wars in his last days. Joshua in our chapter is asked to do something that would be very difficult for him, and that is to succeed Moses. Being such a humble man, just like really Moses was for that matter as well, don't forget. I think when the call came, he was terrified and felt incredibly inadequate when it hit. So as we start Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is discouraged. His mentor, his friend, his counselor, his father figure is dead. He is discouraged. Again, but the Lord shows him how to come out of that. So let's look at that this morning. Point number one, and usually I give them ahead of time. I'm going to give these as I come to them this morning. First off, what the Lord instructs them is this, and this is this one. The others don't matter if you don't take care of this one. They don't. It can be, in some ways, this one can be the most difficult. Um, what he simply tells them is this one. I'm going to read it. It's time to arise. It's time you make a decision. It's time to arise. Verse number one. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. And then he gives the commission. It's time to arise, Moses. I know you're discouraged right now. I understand right where you're at. I know exactly what you're experiencing and exactly what you're feeling. But now it's time to arise. Joshua, there are battles to be won. There's giants to be taken down. There's walled cities that need to come down. It's time to arise. 
That's true in your life. The fact is, in your life right now, it's time to arise. There are battles to be won. There are giants to be taken care of. There are things to overcome. There's times to cease the things that have been plaguing you. Say, listen, it's done. It's time to arise. It's time to get your life where it should be before the Lord. To stop identifying yourself as the defeated person. Instead, as a child of a king and the ambassador of Almighty God. Joshua here is called on from God to replace Moses. The same exact call that was given to Moses is now given right to Joshua. I have no doubt when Joshua heard this, he is overwhelmed. He used to be the servant, just the one who was by the side to encourage whatever Moses needed. That was his position. And now he has these words coming from God himself. Listen, you're the one now. You're taking over from him. You will lead this nation. Many times with the things that we're facing in life and knowing we have to follow God's direction, it certainly can seem overwhelming. I mean, think of Joshua. He's known these people since Egypt. He knows of their weaknesses and their problems. He knows how difficult this would be. He's very well aware of being a man of war. He can probably give you every single one of their names like that. Of the 31 kings he's going to have to face when he enters. But the command comes, arise. Joshua, it's time to go forward. Joshua needs to move on. Moses is dead, but that doesn't mean the work stops. And I assure you, when we get discouraged, listen, there's times we can see it lamentations. There's times we have the emotions for a reason, and they need to come. They need to do what they're supposed to do. But then there comes a time to arise. A time to go forward. This is the conscious decision that you make. And it's almost like we expect, as if we expect the Lord just to, I don't know what it is. As if, as if, if, if the, all the circumstances we we're facing don't change, we just want to stay in that. Instead of looking at the God of the circumstances. You see, one of the goals with this is really one of the most difficult things to do when it comes to actually preaching the Word of God. But the only thing that I believe that can do it is the preaching of the Word of God. And that is to genuinely produce a paradigm shift that where the Lord can do something where you can leave looking at it from a position of truth, from a different point of view. The way maybe that the Lord sees you or the Lord sees the situation or what the Lord could do. To leave with a smile. Encouraged. but this is a conscious decision that we have to make. It's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. Joshua, he's he's at a precarious place, if you will. And he's older, by the way. Don't forget that. Don't forget where he's at right now in life. We're, We're dealing with, basically, because of what happened with the rejection of God with when they were supposed to enter the promised land. He's one of the oldest people there right now. Is him. And this call comes. He has to avoid living in the past. 
or allowing that discouragement to stay because Moses is dead. He could be thinking, oh, Moses was my life. That was my calling. It's done. It's over with. You call on somebody. I'll give one of the younger men. I'm done. That's not what God does. The fact is, even where he's at right now, boy, he has to move on. The fact is, change has come. Life deals with change. We're tempted during times of change to run, to live our life in the past, never embracing what's actually taking place. But change is a part of life. And and listen, I hated change growing up. Oh, moving was the worst. Being in a public school system and moving. I still, like I said, I still remember, I've told this story before in the past. It's it's ingrained in my mind. Fifth grade year moving. Showing up at this new school in Amherst. I know nobody in it, no friends. I am not kidding. The building, I I will take a picture of next time in Ohio, and and I will put it on a screen up here so you can see it, that I'm not kidding you. And then imagine being 10 years old and looking at it. It looked like something out of a horror movie. I was like, oh my goodness, this building's horrible looking. And this was school. And then we go in there, and my mom's taking me. We go into this, like, administrative office or whatever it is, and she's telling him how I'm a straight-A student. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, I can't believe she's saying this right now, because I'm not. I'm C's, B's. I was thrilled if I got a B. And then I hear him talking about me, put me in this extra-level class. I'm like, please don't do that. And, and then going into that classroom, oh, oh, stomach-wrenching. Just, that change was, it was overwhelming. And then two years later, the same thing again. Another school. Boom. Into that same situation. But change is a part of life. For Joshua, this certainly would be a great change for him and the people. But if you're going to get through discouraging times, you must come out of the past and arise. See, you can, even as we're facing 2023 right now, you can determine how you're going to be before the Lord that this is going to be a great year, regardless of what the United States government does. Regardless of what the City Council of Anchorage does. Listen, don't look back, move forward. Just as Paul said, he had to press toward the mark. He had to arise. Again, you've heard me say it before. You have to learn from the past. Don't live in the past. Most of us either have a past to live up to or a past to live down. If your past is filled with failure, don't believe that's all you'll ever do. There's no truth in that at all. Again, I've stressed it, I don't know how many different messages, that one of the keys to success in life that we see in Scripture, anywhere, period, is how you handle failure. And listen, don't get me wrong, and we have, have, uh, even even sometimes within our own churches, we almost produce an element of not even teaching our people how to handle failure, as as if it wasn't acceptable. As if... I mean, really, it was almost an aggressiveness coming out of it. But the key to success in life is how you handle failure. 
Don't allow regret or bitterness to destroy your joy, because it certainly can do that. Don't think, uh, you think of verses like Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. It's about that coming to place of, 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 of that repentance and saying, Lord, no, I'm getting back up. I'm doing this right. You learn from past failures. Avoiding what caused you to fail. Don't excuse it. Don't, because you're, you're just going to happen. You start excusing it, you're just going to fail again and again and again and again. We love to excuse it. You decide to arise, make the changes that are necessary. But don't allow those past failures to stop you from moving forward. And we can think in Scripture, I'm not going to go through it every time, but all those that could have did that exact same thing. Again, I've given the stats before, all those who experienced great failure before success ever hit. You know, you know that the, it's Macy's, the Macy's store failed seven times before it took off. Seven. Babe Ruth, everybody heard the name Babe Ruth, baseball player. Guy struck out a lot, by the way. Over, a th- over 1,300 strikeouts. Be willing to live in the present when change comes. Don't shelter yourself all of a sudden. Don't get stuck dwelling upon the past and what might have been and let it cripple your life right now. You have to arise. Decide to make a difference with your life. Now, why? Why is it that God can come to Joshua and say, all right, Joshua, I know you're discouraged. And that's a right feeling in the moment. It is. Moses is dead. But now, Joshua, I've given enough time. Arise. Press on. But the Lord just doesn't leave it there. This is what makes it possible now. All right? Because it starts with our decision. All right, I am going to follow. But the Lord just doesn't leave it there. Not at all. Look what he begins to tell him after the command comes. The first four verses are the command to arise. Look at verse 5. What the Lord does now, he gives promises to Joshua how he's going to help him. Arise. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. He continues along that line. Verse 7 again. Only be thou strong and very courageous. He stresses obedience in verse 7. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. From then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I remember literally one time, I, 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 was, I was stunned. Uh, it, was, uh, it was no longer here, so I, I, I can say it was, it was just a church member that actually thought I stressed the importance of personal devotions too much in life, especially when it came to problems. I was just stunned. I'm like, it's the answer. 
And as I stress, it's not a magic book. Granted, it's probably one of those who got into the rut of what happened is it was about duty. Okay, I've got to check my box and do it every day so I can say I did it. That's not going to do you anything. It's not going to do you a bit of good. It'll get you the nice button at the end of the year. That's what it'll do for you. Or, I, I mean, there could be a series of things. It's not a magic book. But what it is, is the actual Word of God. It's what it is. Principles in place in here. I mean, the knowledge that the Creator of the universe and all of His wisdom deemed for us right now, this is what they need. Trust in it. So the Lord goes to Joshua, and I'm going to look at a couple of things that He promised Him very quickly. One, He promised Him protection. He said, listen, Joshua, you arise, I'll protect you. No man shall stand before thee. That's not going to happen. When you, listen, when you're in the will of God, you're in His hand. You are. When you are surrendered to God and serving Him, nothing will happen to you that God doesn't allow. It's not going to be... Listen, Joshua's going to have some serious battles to face. Very soon. It doesn't mean that the life does, goes without the battles. It means what you can trust in and have the assurance of, okay, God's in control. Lord, even I don't understand. You're going to see Joshua's a couple chapters on his face before God. God, I don't understand. Why is this happening? You have to trust. He's in control. He promised him protection. He promised him his power as well. He said, Joshua, when you do this, listen, this, this is in my hand. I will not fail thee. Do you know that applies to you? He said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Do you understand? I believe those words really grabbed Joshua. I mean, I believe they all did, but that one did. This is a guy that was with Moses directly. He was there when they came out of Egypt. He was there when they crossed the Red Sea. He was there when the manna started. He was there when the, God's presence filled the tabernacle. He, he was there when Moses was glowing after meeting with God. He saw the wisdom that God had given to Moses. You say, well, I'm not a Joshua with 31 kings to defeat. Oh, I assure you, you probably have about another 80 enemies in your life right now that you need to defeat. And you're going to need God's protection and His power if you're actually going to accomplish that. I mean, the mind battles we all face that, are, that, that bring forth depression and anxiety... And yet the greatness of the God we serve is right there. Do you understand how the Lord, out of His love and grace, desires for you to conquer those? And He says, listen, I'm right here. If you'll arise, if you'll look to me, instead of looking at the circumstance, and being overwhelmed. And then he promises him his presence. I will not leave thee or forsake thee. Man. Listen, I, even though everything, how this world has changed and our country has changed, and 
the good news is this. God has not left us. He's still there. He is. He is there. Don't think God has left you because He hasn't. He will not leave you nor forsake thee. And that makes a huge difference simply knowing God is there. I have a sermon I preached just on that principle from John chapter 14. When, the, when all the apostles were so discouraged because Christ was leaving. And him going to in John 14, just knowing this, God is there. I've given this illustration before. Let me give it again. I, I had to fight. Uh, and actually, we're, we, we've recently got back in contact from elementary school days. Casey. We were best friends. This is best friends at times you get in squabbles and fights in elementary school. But Casey was really tough. And so, but we were going to fight, just like you see, like in the old time, the playground by the slide at this time. And I wanted to throw up. And i got to show up because the pride's going to put me right there. I cannot not show up. Does that, is that right? Did I say that? I don't know. So I head there, though. But what was neat is even though we did not get along until well I was, I was an adult, my brother followed. He's three years older than me. Do you know how much that helped? Because I knew Casey could whip me, but I knew he could whip my brother. I knew that wasn't happening. I now had confidence. And my brother let me get beat up a little bit that day. <laughs> that was funny. What happened to that? My goodness. I like landed. Bam. But it makes all the difference when you know God is there. And the way that, I mean, you think about this. I won't go into the details. I was going to, but I'm not. But those first six months in New Guinea when I did not understand, I did not agree with all the trials, everything that was taking place, um, the, the challenge facing were overwhelming at the time. I not understand why God had us there. The power situation, the water situation, the malaria, nothing good taking place whatsoever. Just battles that I never imagined would take. I knew it would be difficult. I knew that. I did two survey trips. But I had no idea what the Lord was going to put us through in that first year. And remember what changed it all. The reality of God's presence. When I looked in that store and saw that little tiny bag of Doritos, and I knew that was simply the Lord said, I know right where you're at. It made all the difference. Circumstances didn't change. It didn't change one thing we were facing. But I left there, hands down, the most encouraged I'd probably even been before three months before we left. I mean, literally, that was the day ministry began. All it took was a paradigm shift in my thinking. I'm looking at this wrong. God is in control. I'm right where he wants me. So from Joshua, God's word, you see things that keep discouragement from winning. What you have to avoid, what we see, learn from this text is this. You have to avoid keep looking Stop looking back. Stop looking back. Arise. Stop looking back. 
If change is in place, accept it and figure out how to glorify God with it. Because life is about Him. Or just standing still. Move forward. Go forward. Or the worst one, of course, is giving up. Just giving up. This comes again when there is no walk. I'm, I'm, I'm not being critical, but this is when that happens. When all of a sudden there is no walk of faith. It's failing to see God in it at all. When God, it, the times it gets the most glory in our lives is when we are facing overwhelming situations. And you trust Him and you allow Him to work through it. And then in verses 8 and 9, God gives some last words of encouragement to him. These are some of those verses that we, that we memorize, that we cling to. It was some of the very first verses I ever memorized when I started memorizing Scripture as a teenager. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. You know the story. The first time I ever read this chapter in my life, I remember it. I do. I remember it. I was just beginning to serve God, getting into my Bible. It was a school morning of my sophomore year. I'd gotten up. I opened my Bible. I was coming to the book of Joshua. I knew nothing of the book of Joshua. Nothing. I wasn't raised in church. And I read this chapter. I was just like, oh my goodness. This is amazing. I mean, especially getting to verses like 8 and 9. I mean, it's telling me right from God's word how to have success in life. And how it was tied into this. And then that thought hit, now bring your Bible to school. Nope, that ain't happening. I, know what I learned that morning? Such a great lesson. It was such a sweet lesson and I told the Lord no at that moment. You have to apply what you read. You apply it. Not for anybody else. Not for the pastor, for mom and dad, or for whoever. But because you want to glorify God. And of course, you know the story. I, ended up bringing, I, I found the smallest Bible I could. It was in my pocket. I took my Bible to school. And then the next day, reading, still in Joshua, that's eh, not going to cut it. Being convicted. And no, I did not hear the Lord come down. And we didn't have a conversation. Terry, you didn't bring the right Bible to school. You know that's a pet peeve of mine. You don't have conversations with God like that. It just doesn't happen. Does he impress things on your heart? He does. And so the conviction hit when I was reading that morning. Ah, that doesn't count. And then bringing that Bible to school. And it went well for about the first half of the day till lunch. And then at lunch, I got a couple of my textbooks there, my Bibles on it with all my friends. Oh, this would be the day the separation would begin. And we're eating, and then somebody stopped, was Darren, and said, is that a Bible? Yes. Oh, man. And it began. And I wasn't strong. I didn't have Bible knowledge at this time. But it certainly began. You know what? I was obedient. You know what I faced? A tough time. Not a one at the table. So, man, that, that took such courage for you to bring that today. You're so victorious. All of us should get medals now. No, that wasn't how that went. But through that, do you know the Lord was able to strengthen me and I didn't even know it? 
So when God finishes, he promises him his presence again in verse 8 and 9. He says, I, notice how he does that. I am the one commanding you. Doesn't it make a difference knowing who the one commanding you is? Listen, if you're a general in the United States military right now, would you rather have Ronald Reagan commanding you or Joe Biden? We laugh because that's an easy question to answer. I don't care if you're a liberal or a conservative. You know the answer to that question. It makes a difference who's commanding you. And the Lord tells Joshua, have not I commanded thee? Joshua, I'm coming to you personally. I am here. You have my presence. I will not leave thee, nor will I forsake thee. This gives that peace that is needed, knowing that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And he encourages him again, Joshua, don't be afraid. Fear can certainly keep you discouraged. Fear can keep you from moving forward. Fear of failure, fear of letting others down, fear of what others will think. There's a time you have to decide, listen, I just have to make my life about God and go forward. And not simply base decisions on what others think. The most important one is this. What does God think? And be honest with yourself about that. Fear can prevent you from ever doing the will of God. Again, I remember how scared I was before I ever left for New Guinea. Again, I think as I finish here, me and Levi brought this up yesterday, I think. This is a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. It's one of my favorite. Let me read it. Theodore Roosevelt said this, It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong, how the strong man stumbles and where the doer of deeds could have done better. That's easy to do. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. It's a good quote. The Lord came to Joshua and said, Listen, it's time to arise. I understand why you're discouraged. You should be. But now it's time to arise. There are battles to be won. God has not ceased to be in control. Listen, determine this year, listen, more than any other, I want to make this year about God. Lord, help me to do that. Lord, help me to see what are the things in my life, what are the first battles I need to face? What is going to be my first uh, um, Jericho? What, what are some of the first walls that need to come down? You arise. Knowing, one, you have God's protection, His power, and His presence. It's all there. You have what you need. With heads bowed and eyes closed.